let's hear God's word, Philemon. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer, to the beloved Aphia and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in your love, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother." Therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, yet for love's sake I rather appeal to you, being such a one as Paul, the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. I am sending him back. You therefore receive him, that is, my own heart, whom I wish to keep with me, that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. But without your consent I wanted to do nothing, that your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If then you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. But if he has wronged you or owes anything, put that on my account. I, Paul, am writing with my own hand, I will repay, not to mention to you that you owe me even your own self besides. Yes, brother, let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. But meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me, for I trust that through your prayers, I shall be granted to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you, as do Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow laborers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. As heaven and earth will pass away, surely the word of God shall never pass away. And may God bless it to us as we hear it this evening. Well, last week we looked at this letter and uh, seeing how great a thing Paul was calling Philemon to do, something that was not necessarily in keeping with the wisdom of the world, but certainly in keeping with the gospel. And he wanted Philemon to do this tremendous mercy, this tremendous good deed for love's sake. And, and that's how everything ought to be flowing from us whenever we are called in the gospel to do 
works and deeds that glorify God. It is out of love. Uh, we have a saying sometimes, and as you see at the end of verse 14, Paul said, I, I want your good deed not to be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. Uh, we have a little phrase where we talk about uh, wanting volunteers, but eventually people get voluntold to, to do what is needed to be done. It almost seems like Paul is voluntelling Philemon here what he should be doing. But, but when you see how it's all couched together, he's putting it as a response of the gospel upon his own life that is now impacting the way that he looks at other people, even one who was his slave. Now, I said it last week, I'm going to say it again. This letter is not about emancipation of slaves. It's a reality that in, in the history of the world, and to be honest, fairly early on in the history of fallen man, slavery is something that came about. The domination of one man over another man for the purpose of enslavement is an age-old issue of the world and we might say as well an age-old sin. God nowhere is pleased with slavery. You can't as a Christian in any fashion support slavery biblically. You can look and find places where God tells His people how they are to treat slaves. But if you read those sections in the Bible very carefully, He is telling you to treat them as a a person who is to be recognized and honored and cared for in a very godly way. And that whole thing about slavery that uh, gets debated at times is, is really ridiculous. You can't justify slavery. Paul, even in 1 Timothy 1 verse 10, uh, declares that those who are kidnappers, man-stealers, they will find their end along with the murderer in hell if they do not repent. It, It is a grievous sin worthy of God's judgment. But we also know and understand that Paul is writing to Philemon on top of the letter that he wrote to the church. And Paul has already instructed both Christian slaves and Christian masters on how they are to relate to each other in godly, Christ-like manners. You go back to Colossians chapter 3 and, and you'll see there when he's talking about submission and that whole matter of the fifth commandment about honoring one another, honoring one another in the homes. He comes in Colossians 3.22 all the way down to verse 1 of chapter 4 to deal with bond servants and the way that they are to honor those who are over them in the Lord, their masters. And as well, he deals with the masters and how they are to honor those who are under them, their inferiors in the Lord. These are matters that deal with us exercising a gospel care to people's lives in obedience to God's law. And what we see with Philemon, it stands out as an example of how under that fifth commandment, we honor 
love and demonstrate concern for one another regardless of our various stations in life. And we are to do this in the name of Christ. And and again, it is hard. It is hard for us to respect and to honor that one. Mentioned coming into the church tonight and, and seeing the mess that lay in this front door. And I was just like, oh, here we go again. Sometimes it's hard to honor people uh, in their various stations of poverty and homelessness and circumstances of life. And there's something to be said here of honoring a slave, one in whom you are in a position of superiority over, to do it in a way that glorifies God. And when you read Philemon, what you see, Paul's greater concern is not about necessarily the freedom of a slave as much as it is the demonstration of forgiveness in Christ. Forgiving one another. Especially in respect of debts as we're going to see as we look at verse 10 down toward the end. Here are debts that are owed and how do we respond to these, these serious things in a way that, that shows the liberty of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the freedom that He brings us. And what Paul is asking for Philemon, not only to forgive Onesimus, uh, but also he is asking him to liberate Onesimus so that he can serve. (laughs) A bit of a paradox there, isn't it? Set him free so that he can be a slave to the kingdom of God in that light. And when you see Paul's intent here, how he frames this request to, to Philemon, you, you see he's, he's got the gospel in mind. He's got the kingdom of God in mind. And, and looking uh, at such a man who has the opportunity to demonstrate the gospel of Christ in setting free one who was bound in sin so that he can go and serve the kingdom of God. And that's one of the things that we see in verses 10 to 14. First of all, the liberty in the gospel. Liberty in the gospel. The freedom that the gospel brings us. As I said, as much as Paul encouraged Philemon to act for the sake of love in dealing with Onesimus, he now appeals for mercy on Onesimus' behalf. He wants... Philemon to uh, to exercise extraordinary grace both in forgiving this one who is an inferior in social standing but even more to set him free for gospel service. And you see that in verses 13 and 14. Paul is saying, here's my wish. I wanted to keep him here with me because he was ministering to me in my chains for the gospel and that he could serve me on your behalf. A token of your grace at work in Christ. But he didn't want to do it without consent because he didn't want this to be by compulsion. He wanted this to be a voluntary, an expression of the gospel of God's grace at work in his own heart. 
Now I'm going to apply some of this in a little while, but I want you to see that, that this is very countercultural. This was not something that the world would look at and say, hey, this is a great thing to do. Uh, they would look at this and say, hey, he, he's a slave. He's a conquered person. He's one who's in servitude to you. He has no legal standing in society. You owe him nothing. <laughs> and they would treat such people in such a manner. As much as you may hear and read uh, of, of some who love their servants, like the Roman centurion that Jesus met and healed that servant. He was a servant whom this centurion loved. That's not the norm. The idea of domination and the idea of, of enforced labor was more the norm. And here Paul, in, in asking for this slave to be, to be liberated to serve the gospel, he was reminding Philemon of the liberty that Christ has brought us. And that's where we begin. We have liberty in Jesus Christ that the, the world does not understand, but a, a liberty in Christ that, that sets us free uh, from the tyranny of sin and from the fear and enslavement to death, but also sets us free to serve others in a, in a very gracious way. Isn't that what the Gospel works in your own life? You think about it from Scripture. Now, Jesus, in, in John 8, He was dealing with the Pharisees who, who were complaining about His ministry and complaining about how Jesus was, was uh, 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 working and, and laboring amongst the impoverished and, and visible group of people in their day who, who were sinners, despised people, by the righteous and often sanctimonious religious people. And Jesus in, in John 8 begins to talk about the liberty that we have in Him. He says in verse 31 that if you abide in My Word and you are My disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And, and he was using words that spoke about being enslaved and needing to be set free. He was basically saying to those who could not and would not accept the truth that he was bringing, that they were sinners, enslaved to sin, and subject to death because they were in bondage to sin, that only the truth of Christ and the work that he had come to do on the cross would set them free. And what was their response to him? It's almost like Nicodemus, isn't it? Jesus sets forth a gospel spiritual truth and their, their thinking goes like Nicodemus did. I have to be born again. I have to go back in my mother's womb? And, and listen to what they say. They answered him and said, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. <laughs> really? <laughs> When you received the law from Mount Sinai, what were the prefacing words to God saying, you shall have no other gods before me? I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of slavery, <laughs> out of the house of bondage. 
And you stand before me and say, as Abraham's descendants, you've never been in bondage to anyone? What about those 60 years in Babylon? (laughs) That never ended. But from 1586 and onward, even to their day, you have been in bondage to some nation of the world. And you stand here and say, you've never been in bondage? See, you don't understand the truth. You don't understand what that symbol of slavery and enslavement meant for your life. That you were not free in your life to even be able to live for God's glory until the truth of Jesus Christ comes and brings you that freedom. The nature of humanity is one of enslavement to sin. And, and, and when we read about the issues of slavery in the history of the world, I don't want to diminish it. But understand, that's a picture of our enslavement to sin and bondage to death. We die because we are sinners. And before God, there is nothing we are able to do to set ourselves free from that bondage of death, from that enslavement to sin. It's the nature of our hearts. But Christ has set us free. (laughs) And that's what Jesus goes on to say to those Pharisees. If you know the Son, He will set you free. And you will be free indeed. But with that freedom comes responsibility. We are not set free to live and do how we want. We are set free for the purpose of service to the kingdom of God. Service to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul here sets himself as an example to Philemon as he talks about being in chains for the gospel, needing to be ministered to as he has been serving the Lord and finding himself as well now in bondage in another way. But even in bondage, and you see there in verse 10 and verse 13, he talks about being in his chains. Even though Paul was in bondage, To an earthly ruler, he knew and realized the freedom that he had in Christ to serve the Lord. And he's wanting the same for Onesimus. He wanted Philemon to to act in the liberty of the gospel. He didn't want to command or compel him to set Onesimus free, he wanted Philemon to understand that just as Christ set him free from enslavement to sin, doesn't mean from the presence of sin, doesn't mean that he doesn't go on to sin, but he is free from the enslavement of sin. There is now, do you, and, and I want to stress this, dear Christians, do you believe this truth? There is now no sin that, that can hold you in bondage, in enslavement. You know, you'll hear some people say, this is a bit of a digression, but you'll hear some people who will say to you, some Christians who will make a statement like this, well, you know, I have, I have a struggle with anger and that's just who I am. It's going to be with me the rest of my life. Or some who will talk about the addictions of certain things like alcohol and, and, and pornography even, those sort of things. 
And while those things may be hard to, to break uh, their, their presence and the conduct of them in our lives, we're not enslaved to them. Do you believe that? <laughs> because Christ has broken that, the, the chains of sin that would seek to hold us in the enslavement of sin that leads unto death. That's all been broken by Christ. We need to realize that. This is not mysticism. This is a reality of of looking at Christ and saying, He has set me free. (laughs) And if I'm struggling with anger, it isn't that I'm enslaved to it. It's just I need to learn to put it to death. (laughs) And by God's grace, He brings His Spirit and His Word and those means of grace to put these things to death. He works in us to, to put to death, to mortify Sin in our lives. That's grace at work. And that grace at work reflects the the nature of the gospel uh, bringing us freedom to serve our God and to serve Him willingly. And when this comes to dealing with other people, this, this liberty of the gospel changes the way that we look at others in Christ. And you see Paul speaking this to Philemon. Do you, do you understand who Onesimus is now? That he is one whom I count as, as a, a child of my ministry. I look at him as a son. Verse 10. A son uh, like, like Timothy and Titus and Epaphras. Others that Paul was able through the ministry of the gospel to see them converted unto Christ. And he looks and he says, here's my my offspring in the Lord. And he even says this of Philemon a little further on. He says, Philemon, even you, even you, uh, there in, in verse 19, even you owe me your own self as you have been brought to faith in that ministry. Paul sees Onesimus through the Gospel. My son, a converted sinner who is now able, and and here's the little interchange with verses 10 and 11, who's now able to live up to his name. Do you know what the word, the name Onesimus means? It means one who is Profitable. <laughs> One who is useful. And, and, and what Paul says here to Philemon is, you need to see through the Gospel who Onesimus is now. He was formerly a profitless slave. He was untrustworthy. He was a runaway. He was a thief. Walking in contradiction to his name. He has now become useful because he now has a new master. A new Lord, Jesus Christ. And the same one who is your Lord. And when you see such a one in the gospel, doesn't it change your affections to them? It should. Not, not to regard them as inferiors, but to regard them as children of the living God. And he's reminding Philemon of this truth even as he did the whole of the Colossian church. If you were to look at Colossians 3.11, you see Paul saying there 
this, this very truth that in Christ there is neither Greek nor Jew, barbarian, Scythian, and, and it's here that he says, nor slave nor free. <laughs> Reminding, and, and perhaps in the letter to the Colossians as that was read and Philemon was sitting there hearing it, it was setting him up to read and hear this letter. That you're not to look at Onesimus anymore as a slave. But you're to look at him in Christ. For Christ is all and in all. And he even goes on in that letter to the Colossians to to make Philemon, but also the whole of the church understand in Colossians 3.25 that God does not favor Christian masters above Christian slaves. We can do that, can't we? We can idolize certain people more than others. We can elevate certain people above others. Not, not in the sense of the office that they behold, but we can just have this in our minds that this is a better person than this person because of their stations in life, because of, of how they appear, because of their age, because of their standing. God does not favor masters above slaves, for with Him there is no partiality. And when you, when you see the freedom that the Gospel has brought to such a one, even as it has been brought to you, allow that Gospel to change the way you regard and act towards us. And that's what Paul is asking of Philemon. He's not trying to, to work contrary to civil law that, that was present. He was calling upon Philemon to, to labor and, and to act in accordance with the gospel. And one of the greatest principles of the gospel is mercy. And, and this isn't the first time that Paul has called someone to act in, in, in a countercultural way. I want to give you an association here to see what Paul is asking of Philemon is, is to allow the gospel to direct your principles and actions. You look back at 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and that whole issue of, uh, of uh, whether or not it is right to sue your brethren in the Lord. And, and Paul realizes that in the civil, in the world, the secular, pagan world around us, yes, you have this right to sue your brethren uh, if you have a matter against one another. You have a right to go to the law. But, but do you understand who you are now? You're Christians. You're saints. You represent a greater authority here on the earth. You have as your Lord Christ when you have these matters and issues and struggles within your setting, would you go before the secular pagan world and show to them that you don't know how to get along in your disagreements or in the offenses that are before each other? Here we're not talking about uh, civil crimes. We're, we're talking about uh, these issues that... Uh, cause a disagreement and disharmony. Uh, they happen in and around our world all the time where civil 
justice uh, has to be exercised to to say who's right and who's wrong in certain cases. We're not talking about crimes like murder and and such. And Paul there says, don't, don't act and behave like the world around you. Don't go and, and air out your laundry before the secular world. Don't go to law against brother before unbelievers. Exercise a judgment amongst yourselves. And in the principle of the gospel, this is from 1 Corinthians 6, in the principle of the gospel, if you find yourself being wronged and you find yourself even being cheated, then suffer those things in a holy and godly way that you don't bring a discrediting reputation against Christ before this world. Now that's hard, isn't it? But that's the way the gospel changes our principles. And Paul is telling Philemon, in this case, to allow the gospel principles of mercy to work in his response to Onesimus. To receive this slave who has come to saving faith in Christ. To recognize that Paul's testimony as he's writing this letter, Tychicus, who's able to as well testify of Onesimus' new character in the Lord, that you have these witnesses. Onesimus has repented. He's coming back to you to repent before you. Receive him. Receive him without partiality. Forgive him and restore him as a beloved brother. And that's what he says in verses 15 and 16. Receive him. Not as a slave, but more than a slave. Receive him as a beloved brother. My friends, that's the exercise of the gospel. That is extraordinary. That is countercultural. That that shows the grace of God. I said I was going to use Yuri as an example. Well, here it is. You know, it's been, I, I'm trying to think, 15, 16 months that uh, Yuri, and he's allowed me to use him in this way. But you remember, way back, uh, we received Yuri, though an inmate at Collins Bay. We received and accepted him as a member. Oh, that was a joyful day in his life. Re- respecting his circumstances as an inmate. To be welcomed as a brother in the church of Christ. Uh, He could not receive freedom in Canada. (laughs) Uh, The civil authorities would not allow him that right to walk freely in this nation. Uh, He was deported to Moldova. And there again... He was received on the witness and testimony of our church and as well on Yuri's witness and testimony. He was received and accepted into the membership of that church. Set free in a different way. Not free to return to Canada or perhaps some of the other uh, uh, Western nations, but received and accepted in the church. And in that liberty of the gospel, he was set free, as we have seen in Moldova, he was set free to now serve that gospel 
in a place where he would would otherwise have not been able to. This is providence. (laughs) We can't work these things. But God does. And you see Paul putting this before Philemon and to say, look, uh, verse 15, look, can you not see God's providence? (laughs) Yes, He ran away from you. Yes, He sinned against you. Yes, He was a slave and He's worthy of all these civil judgments to be exercised against Him. This is in their time, if you will, a a crime. He, He probably stole something from Philemon. Ran away. He should be treated as a runaway slave. But stop and consider. Verse 15. God's purposes. He departed from you for a while for this purpose that you might receive Him forever. No longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother. We're not talking about about doing away with justice. What we are talking about is the work of God's providence that, that changed this man. And He's now coming back to you, a different person. And that's God's grace. And that's the thing about liberty that the Gospel brings. It is a liberty that that also transforms. Paul is by no means brushing away Onesimus' guilt. But he wants Philemon to see the transformation of this slave. And he wants Philemon's own attitude and the church's attitude. Let's let's be clear. This is being read to the church for this purpose. Your attitudes need to be transformed. And the gospel that transformed the life of this slave is also a gospel that transforms your attitudes toward people. And that's a work that God is doing in our life. Providence in God's wisdom. Providence is that work of God where He does all things for good to those who love Him. (laughs) And Onesimus here has a new standing. (laughs) How transformed is he? Paul says, don't look at him any longer as a slave. You know, I, I say this for our brother Yuri. One of the great things he loved about coming to church here while he was in Canada is that we did not look at him as an inmate. That we treated him as a brother. Uh, that's an amazing thing. He felt that freedom in this midst. And Paul is saying to Philemon, do you realize Anisimus is a beloved brother, beloved to me, and wanting him to be beloved by Philemon. And that because of Christ. Verse 17, Paul goes on to stress this. In receiving Philemon, I want you to receive him as you would me, as a partner. That word partner is the Greek word koinonia, communion, a bond of fellowship. Regard him as one in whom you have communion with in the Lord and allow him a new start in life. And and here is where Paul, in his his desire to see Philemon receive, accept, and, and restore, and even, 
even more to give Onesimus a new start in life. Paul himself wants to reflect the gospel in deeper ways. When he says there, he says, I, uh, if he has wronged you or owes you anything, put it on my account. Let me pay for it. Onesimus had no way to repay his debt to Philemon, but Paul was willing to pay that debt for him. Isn't that the gospel? We have no way to pay our debt before God. The Lord Jesus bore the fullness of that debt on our behalf. Just a little rabbit trail. That's why I prefer when we do the Lord's Prayer that we pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. It's reminding us not just of sin itself that we're to be forgiving, but the debts of offenses and the debts of financial offenses. takes us to that parable in Matthew 18 when it comes to not just forgiving a sin, but to be forgiving a constant sin from a brother. (laughs) If my brother sins against me seven times in a day, should I keep forgiving him? And what did Jesus say to Peter in Matthew 18? No, I say to you, 70 times seven. You have an obligation to forgive. Not a sin or a couple sins, but you have that obligation to continue to forgive your brother as God forgives you all your sins because the debt of your sins has been borne by His Son. And that's the thing about the liberty of the Gospel and how it transforms us. Real liberty in the Gospel does not keep account of wrongs, but ro- operates under that, that principle that as freely as I have received from God, freely I give. As much as the Lord has served us, paying our debt, transforming our lives, breaking our bondage to sin, restoring us in that relationship with God as beloved children. He has done all of this so that we could serve in His name to the glory of our God. And true Christian liberty in Christ doesn't just set us free from sin, but as in accordance with Romans 6, makes us slaves of God to His righteousness and His holiness. That's our freedom. And that's what Paul is exhorting Philemon to exercise toward his brother. What a thing it is, my friends. Do you realize that when we are able to forgive one another in Christ, do you realize that in the sincerity of the Gospel, what freedom that brings to the one who is forgiven? It's a glorious thing. Let us pray.